Hey everybody, welcome to Turn Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham, and this is a, a quick special episode to talk about a incredible screening series that's going to be coming up here in Toronto at the Hot Docs Movie Theater right here on Bloor Street. See right here, like I'm outside of the theater right now. At Bathurst and Bloor, uh, there's going to be a long, hot, punk summer uh, David uh, Knipe and sh uh, former guest of the show, Sarday Hardy, as well as our good friends from Emission Records, Dave KW, formerly of the amazing band Dirty BS and, and Oxbaker, great vocalist in his own right, who you'll hear with me in a second talking about American Hardcore, have put together this, this series of screenings and I've been uh, brought in to help host some of these events and talk about some of these films. And I'm very happy to do so because this is a, a cool little series of some classics. Uh, as I said, the first screening is going to be American hardcore, which is coming up Thursday, July 6th at uh, seven, uh, sorry, six thirty PM. So you can come out to hot docs. I will be there. Treat it like a Rocky horror picture show. You can, jeer at your favorite parts and laugh at your favorite parts and cheer along. And there's also going to be a really cool little discussion with producer and director, Paul Rackman. Paul Rackman also filmed the uh, infamous negative effects set from the mission of Burma show that uh, we will definitely be discussing on, on the night of, uh, of the screening. Uh, once again, that is uh, July 6th and it is brought to you by Emission Records. Emission Records, of course, a great record store. Shout out to my buddy, Chris Callahan. You go there and you can hang out with punk legend Chris Callahan and grab some records. And uh, they're, you know, check out social media for all these hot docs and Mission Records and whatnot. And uh, happy to be involved. Anyway, kick back, relax, and enjoy a little brief conversation between Dave KW and myself about American hardcore and our memories from the first screening. Dave KW, thank you for coming on the show and talking about America's har American hardcore. I did it again. American hardcore with me. Yeah, no problems. Good to talk to you, Damien. Well, Dave, of course, you are the owner of Emissions Records. Uh, this is a, a movie series that you kind of are, have well, I think I think some of it you curated, some of it was brought to you, um, like some of the canon, I guess. Like these are the, some of the some the, you know the most important punk and uh, like punk documentaries, hardcore documentaries ever made, and uh, then also some newer documentaries as well, right? Well, why don't you just tell me about the series? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with that. And uh, you know, first, I'll correct you on the curation. It was uh, David Knight at Hot Docs and Shardy Shardy Hardy. Uh, former guest of the first, show. Former guest of the show. First started uh, curating, and Hot Docs uh, approached me about getting involved. Um, little did they know I was already working on a film series uh, on my own. Um, so some of the, some of those I won't do, but some of them there's going to be a, a separate series going on. So, uh, but Hot Docs has has four uh, in this first part of the series. Hopefully, there'll be more. Uh, First one coming up on July sixth is uh, American Hardcore. The the essential kind of viewing American Hardcore. Like I, I, it's funny, I was just saying I went back and I'm rewatching it now, and I forgot how many sort of uh, I don't know, just I guess classic kind of clips come out of this movie. I saw it at the premiere. I think it was the North American premiere way back when at TIFF. Were you there? Yeah, I was there. What a way to see it. What a way to see it. <laughs> with uh flipper in the audience and uh it was uh it was great like i think 
there was a, a period there where there was a lot of great hardcore punk movies coming out, rock movies in general, documentaries in general. And they were airing on, um, and they would have the part of the Midnight Madness each year. They'd have one. And this was, this was a big one back in 2006 when this happened. It was a big one. Lots of people showed up. It was fun being there. Like it was, it was a pretty big theater, I remember. And there's a lot of bands that showed up. Some that were in it, some that weren't. Was it at the Uptown, like the big theater on Young Street? I'm trying to remember. I was like racking my brain remembering uh, I, which I th- theater. I think it was. I think it was like Scotiabank Theater. Uh, okay, right maybe. Uptown. Yeah. It, it wasn't a normal place that you would expect a, one of the TIFF films, but yeah. Yeah, it was there. like Midnight Madness, right? So they would always have it in weird spots, but uh, it was a, uh, yeah, it was definitely like, a, it was it was hugely anticipated because the book had been so much a part of, I guess, everyone's life. Like, I think everyone had a reaction to the book. I remember uh, Stuart Schrader, a Game of the Arsehole zine, did a whole issue in response to the book and kind of critiquing <laughs> the book back then. <laughs> It made an impact. I mean, it's funny because there were a lot of books. Uh, there were a lot of films too, but this is the one that uh, seemed to get uh, cause a reaction with people, or at least people felt like it had to be at the front of the list of something, one of the ones to read or one of the ones to watch. Well, it's kind of a Herculean task to be like, I'm going to make a movie documenting a book, sorry, at this point, all of American hardcore because there's, you know, how many bands and, and, and no matter what, when you make a documentary, no matter make you a book, any sort of documentation about punk scenes, music scenes, people are always pissed off about the bands you leave out. Like there's, you're never going to get everyone. So to try and take that on and, you know, it, truthfully, American hardcore kind of does it. They have most of the bands in there. They do. It's watching it. They covered a lot. And even if they didn't specifically talk about the band, they might show, they might've shown a flyer with them on it or, or, mentioned bands in passing it did seem like it was a good overview up to up to a certain date which you know that's part of the contention you know they've got yes. their uh, their date when everything ended well my, my thing that i've kind of come to realize with punk is that you know everyone's got their own definition of it and everyone's got their own version of what this thing is and a lot of the people in american hardcore seem to feel like their version of hardcore punk ends in 1985. And that's kind of like the cutoff point because youth of day's not here. Like there's really a whole other chapter that kind of opens up after this stuff. But uh, it's, it's fascinating to see how many people are like, yeah, that was it. It just, it just ended. There's nothing after that point. Just ended. And I think they um, did a little creative editing with uh, with some of those interviews too, because I know some of those people don't believe that, um, but they managed to get them saying something that sounded like it, you know, during the, the last, what, 10 minutes of the film. It's kind of like everybody's stating it. I feel like that was also done on purpose to uh, to address the criticism of the book. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. Well, here's five other people saying that it died at the same time. <laughs> I feel like also though, you know, the the types of interviews you're getting in 2006 are very different types of interviews than these people would give today, you know, yeah. and like, and, and sort of the things they kind of take on. Like, is it, there's a part in it where Rollins tells that story about, which I've, I, I've, I've come to kind of think about this stuff a lot, and I totally forgot that he actually talks about it straight up in the documentary. It's that famous story about when the teen idols went on the bus trip to play Los Angeles and Rollins roadied for them. And then they 
they got kind of exposed to what LA hardcore was at the time, which is this, you know, infamous period where you have the beginning of organized hardcore sort of gangs, moshing, like all this sort of stuff that would come with LA hardcore. They see it and then they just bring it back to the East Coast and it kind of like, you know, emits out of DC. Like DC kids would go to Boston, all the Boston kids would be like, oh shit, we got to do this goes to New York, everyone in New York kind of like reacts to that too. And New York gets a little harder because of it. And it's interesting, Rollins kind of like, I won't brag, I don't want to say bragging necessarily, but just sort of like boisterously talking about this thing that I don't think he'd want to take on in the same way today. No, I don't think he would. And you know, I think a lot of the older DC originating guys too, would also not want to uh, maybe admit as much of, an influence from LA. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah. it is a compelling kind of viewing to see like just how people mature and 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 sort of the the culture has changed so much since like even the early two thousands. So we're coming up on twenty years since this documentary was made. I was surprised when Hot Dogs said they were going to bring that. I said, I don't know. That's already played in Toronto. Ask me when. I'm like, oh. Yeah, that was a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're 20, due for another showing. Yeah, absolutely. Twenty years later, it might might be time to watch it again. Um, but then, then also speaks that there's a bunch of people that aren't here anymore that aren't in this documentary. Sadly, like Steve Soto is in it, and there's a there's a bunch of people that are kind of like, you know, and it's sad, obviously, because these voices aren't here anymore, but at the same time, it's, it, it's so great that there is somewhere that all these people were kind of brought together to kind of tell the story that can't really be told the same way ever again. You know, that, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. And I think uh, rewatching it, I'll get a much different experience than the first time, especially because of those people that uh, can't be brought together anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think for people that watched it in Toronto, the memory that sticks out the most is the reaction to Moby talking about being in Flipper from the guy. I was, I was in the row right in front of them. Yeah, and I just heard, liar! <laughs> there is a recording, though, of Moby singing for Flipper, and they introduce him, but I don't know, maybe maybe he didn't do as many shows with them or something, or maybe they maybe it's you know I, I think it's it's there's always going to be two sides of this story moby sticking to it i heard him sticking to it as recent as last year he didn't just say he sang for them for a show he said my old band flipper like, that's wow what flipper says no. but uh, he's still sticking to that story and he doesn't need to he's got his own career he's got his own accomplishments so it's i'm a- not i'm not sure what the story is there yeah, it's a weird, like, you just think at a certain point, even if it did happen, you'd just be like, I'm just not going to bring this up anymore. You know, like, like who cares? Like, these guys are not going to remember this thing. Why? What's the point of me talking about it? But like you're saying, he's, he's sticking with this whole idea that there, this thing happened. Yeah. So um, that was that was probably the best part of it. You know what the second best part of that for me was? What was that? And we get to experience this again when the MDC logo comes on the screen, it's just black and the screen comes on and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, how am I seeing this like clan cop comparison is getting giant in this big theater. Yeah. It was intense. Like that was a, 
like I'll always remember that, and I can't wait to see it again on a big screen. Oh, like seeing like the, some of the footage that's in this documentary is just out of control. Like the void footage, and like I guess obviously YouTube's a thing in two thousand six, but it's not like it is today in terms of how how everything's just there. Like every classic hardcore clip is just sitting on YouTube at this point. So a lot of the stuff you're seeing for the first time on the big, especially on a big screen, watching this thing, it's like, oh, it's mind blowing, and, and and better generation copies than I had on those shitty bootleg tapes I had at home. And so, yeah, it was, it's, it that is one thing about seeing something like this on the big screen. Like, how many times does this stuff ever get? I know. <laughs> Even now, in the days of YouTube. You may have seen some of this footage, but not like this. It's it's a different experience when you see something that's normally underground on a giant screen with great sound. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the other thing, too. The sound is going to be out of control on this. It's going to be in the theater. I'm, I'm really excited. I was like, I, I was thinking about this today. I have not gone to a movie I've been this excited about since, I guess, the Midnight Madness screenings at the festival. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's some cool ones coming up. I mean, we got I Am a Cliche coming up as well, and uh, the polystyrene film, uh, Instrument Fugazi film, which I, I haven't seen that on a big screen. I think that'll be really cool to see. And uh, a band called Death. Yeah. Which yeah. I, you know, kind of like for the polystyrene one coming out, I guess, last year, or the year before, but like kind of like for the, uh, certainly with Instrument, a band called Death and American hardcore, like some of the bigger documentaries about music that's kind of come out of punk music, especially, I guess you'd have decline of Western civilization. I'd have to put 1991, the year punk broke on it because I think that's a huge documentary, but that might just be a personal pick. I'm trying to think else what it would be in like the, the list of, of, Oh, and the MC five documentary was pretty incredible. MC five. You know, I also thought the, uh, the East Bay, one was really good. East Bay one's good. Yeah, absolutely. That one's I can't fantastic. remember the name of it right now. Yeah, what is it but, called? Uh, the book is called Screaming for Something Better. Have you read that book? I haven't read it, no. Oh, that's incredible. That's like the oral history of San Francisco. That that one's a, that's one of the, the better kind of oral history books that came out. Yeah. Um, even then, like, I remember doing, like, the book launch for Treat Me Like Dirt. Um and and people yelling at poor Liz, uh, you know, like you left out this band, you left out that band, like just the most oh. random, obscure bands. And that's the anytime you try and make something canonical, you're going to get people pissed off that you left something out of the canon. You are, you know, something that I think some documentaries do too is not only the bands out, but sometimes they'll add a little extra importance to a band that maybe wasn't so important or or didn't stand the test of time. Yeah, and that's like, you know, and to be honest, I think that's the great thing about that. I think that can work two ways, right? Like, I think it, on one way, it can, can distort the reality of what was happening. But in another way, like, that's what all documentaries are going to do, right? Like, I remember in in film class in school learning, like, you know, like, you're kind of taught about documentary as being like, documentary aren't, it's it's not like a historical record. It's like an artistic version of, hist- of, of history or, or like a artistic interpretation of the historical record. And I think that's kind of like the, the great thing about these documentaries is the fact there is this sort of like myth building that goes on. Like the band called Death Documentary. Death was a band prior to that documentary coming out. I only knew about because I think Johan Kugelberg had written about him in Ugly Things. 
no one had that record. Like that record was beyond obscure, right? Like, and yeah. and then and then that documentary kind of tells the story of like how this band, and the documentary helps this, but is like built this band into kind of like a legendary part of like the history of Detroit rock and roll because those records are as good as any records that came out, but like they weren't necessarily part of that scene until the documentary kind of put them in that scene, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Decades later. Decades later. And, and, and I think that's fair too, because like, I think that story is about an undiscovered band uh, yeah. that was overlooked. Nobody knew them. Yep. Um, and they deserve to have been known. So it's kind of cool that the, even in the days of the internet, it took that long for it to get, for people to catch on to it. It's funny though. Like there's so many bands that I think, if you did a documentary and if you told the story, you could make them into, there's like bands that are deserving of that kind of treatment. You know, like I was just looking at the soundtrack of this and there's like a bunch of bands on here that I'm like, wow, like a whole documentary about, well, SSD, obviously there's a new book that would be fantastic to kind of see and to kind of get like for anyone that knows punk and hardcore. Oh, new, Battalion of Saints. Like they've Battalion got a story. Saints. They've got a big, yes. like, how, are all of them dead or all but one of them are dead now? All but all but one. When I saw it, it yeah. was George and most of the people were like kind of like San Diego, you know, Gravity Records era type people in the band. And it was unbelievable. It was so good. Uh, but uh, Why Die? Another band that there's like n barely any documentation about this band. But to me, I put that seven inch up there with most of the first wave of hardcore records as being like above most of the first wave of hardcore records i should say yeah well i mean then you got bad brains who have virtually two documentaries about them one about hr and one about the band yeah really there's red too. so much to tell here big boys too is there there's is there no big boys documentary at this point no i don't think there is that's a that's a major omission there yeah yeah that's it's that's why like i think this documentary is important because Certainly until these bands have a documentary or a lot of these bands might sadly not get that documentary treatment, this is the document of them, you know, in, in terms of like cinematic history. There is, and there's always more to tell too, like look how many DC documentaries there are, five, six, and I still feel like I'm learning new stuff from each one I see. Well, DC, I think the, I think the interesting thing about DC is that scene is so well documented and you see that in the footage in this documentary too. There's a lot of that kind of footage. You don't have a lot of footage of those Philadelphia bands. And that's because everybody in DC hardcore seems like they own a video camera or, or their friend had a video camera. And obviously, and Ian was such an incredible record keeper. And I think that kind of seems like that spread amongst the people in the scene. Everyone wanted to sort of document the scene in a way. So there's, yeah, DC, there's going to be a lot of documentaries about because there's a lot of footage to kind of go through and a lot of, documentation of yeah and then new york ones it's all new footage from now talking about the old days because there isn't any left there's no camera exactly yeah exactly there's no cameras to to record this stuff and there's no and and once again that's why something like this is kind of important because you have an opportunity to kind of tell the story of the bands that maybe didn't have a chance to tell their story themselves the first time around there is and i think it's you know i look at it kind of like you know, before the internet, how compilations uh, were really important to help you discover new bands. 
And I think this scratches the surface on a lot of bands, you know, even though uh, if you're really into hardcore, you probably know most of them. It helps still scratch the surface on, uh, you know, getting you to dig down more on one of the bands that maybe you haven't paid a lot of attention to. You know, Detroitson is one where, like, I think everyone knows them. Not a lot of people have dug down. Yeah. They're in this movie. Uh, watch that part. Hear that part. <laughs> dig down on that. Well, I just, in, in, I think now a lot of these bands are more known because of this documentary. You know, like, a lot of these bands were fairly obscure unless you were deep head into stuff, but like they got culture side in this documentary. <laughs> like that's definitely, unless you're a oh, fan yeah. of super deep cut, arty yeah. hardcore, they don't really come up too often. That's right. And, you know, I think before that too, like I barely heard really rad unless it was like the really, really intense people like that were digging in. But now like they, they really red has been repressed. You're right. Mm-hmm. Probably because of this. Yeah, definitely encourage like a lot of rediscovery of of some of these bands and going through the uh, list of people in it. It's a it is interesting how it does have that hard cutoff. Like there's like a lot of these bands even overlapped too some of the later '80s bands. But no, this thing is like it. it we're out. We're not going to go. And which is, I guess, you have to do at a certain point because there's no way you could also then start talking about the rise of like straight edge hardcore and and you know, the, the New York hardcore is kind of like uh, just New York alone. is like several documentaries. What happens next? Yeah. And well, not only that digging into other countries too, you know, and the yeah. I mean, DOA is in this, they cover them. I always um, felt like the DOA, I know DOA has to be in it to tell the story of American hardcore, but I always did feel like, ah, but if you're going to have DOA, you got to have subhumans because it was the two of them that were kind of like doing that at the same time. And like, certainly for doing the podcast, it seems like it was either DOA or the subhumans that inspired like a lot of the American bands to take this up and do it. But but was it DOA that toured relentlessly and got remembered more because of that in the US? I guess so. And I guess DOA did have, you know, DOA did a lot more on the East coast than the subhumans ever did. And then DOA had that run with the two guitar players that everyone says was the greatest live band ever. And I think that probably goes a lot to sort of contribute to the legend. You know, that's something that does certainly come up on those podcasts a lot. Yeah. And another sad story, a bunch of them are dead now too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very like Dave Brock. He's passed away. Who's of course in this documentary as well. And, um, you know, he's someone who I, I, I definitely feel like, had a lot to say about hardcore and punk and never really got a chance other than this documentary and the stuff in the book to really kind of, kind of tell his side of the story on what that was like. You're right. I've never heard him speak, but people only wanted, ever wanted to talk about Guar with Guar, him. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Which is another band has their own documentary. Yeah. <laughs> it's this. Yeah. And they, they would have got that on their own, but it's, um, you know, to circle back to that point, it is a really good one. So many of these bands have such a bigger story, um, but I think they, they wrapped it up pretty well. Like, I didn't feel like I missed anything when I watched it. I felt like they covered a lot of everything and just sort of what your appetite for uh, what you want to take out of it afterwards. Well, we will probably talk again when it comes to uh, some of the time for some of the other screenings and 
And uh, yeah, this is going to be fun. Let's be like the turn at a punk film club between you and me, Dave. <laughs> that sounds like fun to me. I mean, we've got other cool stuff in the works. So.